0: It's Monday, February 21st I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. The center for many of the discussions surrounding COVID policy, race, and gender is your local school board. School districts are having to navigate constantly changing health guidelines and other hot-button issues while they face threats of violence, often from anonymous harassers. One school board member in Virginia named Brenda Sheridan was a target of many letters and voicemails in which she and her children received threats of death. School board members are asking for increased security during meetings, and police are having a difficult time tracking down the anonymous threats. Gabriella Border, US national correspondent at Reuters, joins us for more. Next, many metaverse early adopters are finding themselves accident-prone as they play with VR headsets. It may make for some funny videos on social media, but the injuries can be very real. One teen fell and fractured his kneecap within hours of opening his new headset. Others have broken vases and even injured innocent bystanders. There's even a Reddit subgroup called VR2ER where people share stories and videos of their mishaps. Salvador Rodriguez, tech reporter at the Wall Street Journal, joins us for how you still need to be careful even in virtual spaces. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in.
1: Every single one of you people need to step down off the school board. Your ideology is failing this country and our children, you dumb. Get it through your head. People don't like this. You're going to create a civil war and you're going to lose, dummy. All you people across this country doing this. Your ideology, like
0: I said, is failing. Joining us now is Gabriela Border. U.S. National Correspondent at Reuters. Thanks for joining us, Gabriella. Thank you for having me. I want to talk about an interesting story you wrote up about school boards and the threats, debt threats uh, that they're getting over a mix of hot button issues that are going around right now. You know, school boards uh, have actually been kind of this epicenter for a lot of the discussions that are going around in the country, especially when it comes to Coronavirus mandates, whether it's vaccines or masks, gender conversations about uh, transgender people using restrooms in schools, and even over uh, race policies, things like critical race theory in opposition to that being taught in schools. So, these school board meetings, uh, we've seen stories just being crazy, going crazy loud, people yelling. It's spilled over to threats on school board members, and they, a lot of them live in fear over, you know, what could happen. So, Gabriella, start us off. What are we seeing with all of this?
2: So, my colleagues and I, in this investigation, wanted to see what was going on behind the scenes of the crazy school board meetings that have been in the media over the last year. Those meetings are public, and, and we've seen that a lot of them can get really heated when School boards are discussion, discussing things like mask mandates and anti-racism curriculum, which um, has been labeled critical race theory. And it's really garnered a lot of parental anger and parents have been angry at school board meetings. But behind the scenes, we have learned that there are... A lot of school board members across the country who have received these anonymous and named harassing messages and threats. It, it escalates to death threats a lot yeah. of the time, um, which is very serious. So we, we were able to obtain more than 200 harassing and threatening messages that individual school board members gave us or we found in police reports that we obtained And it's it's scary. These school board members didn't think this is what they were getting into when they ran for their local school boards.
0: And it it really is. These messages are are pretty intense. You know, so for this investigation, you guys spoke to 33 board members across 15 states and got a lot of this evidence, copies of letters, audio of recorded messages, of voicemails and things that they left. And I I took a a listen at some of them. I read a, a few of them. It is some nasty, nasty stuff. And one of the biggest things is it's so unclear if this is coming directly from local parents in that school district or if it's coming from, you know, randoms, uh, random people that are just kind of trying to get involved in the conversation. We know that there's a lot of national groups that are opposing a lot of these policies and things and, and, you know, they can get involved in what's going on locally Uh, You did focus on one person a a lot in your article, Brenda Sheridan. She's from Loudoun County in Virginia, on the Virginia School Board there. And uh, so tell us a little bit about her and, and the threats that she's gotten
2: more than half of the threats that we documented were actually threats and harassing messages. I should clarify, not all of them were outright threats, but there's a lot of vulgar language being used. Many of the threats that we documented went to Brenda Sheridan, who was, she was formerly the chair of the Loudoun County School Board. And Loudoun County got a lot of attention nationally. Over the past year, there there were very vocal protests against critical race theory outside the school board. And it's, was a county that had the national spotlight on it from pandemic related closures to its transgender policy. It was really um, yeah, the county that riled they, up a lot of anger nationally.
0: Yeah, they hit all the markers for all of the conversations we're talking about.
2: They really did. A lot of a lot of the issues that are driving political anger right now were all happening in Loudoun. And Brenda was receiving hateful messages from people Around the country, some of the voicemails that she received, the callers wouldn't name themselves, but they would say, I'm calling you from California or I'm calling you from Oklahoma. So I know that some of those people were from out of state and then others sent nasty emails and there was no way of knowing if the person sending the email was local or otherwise, unless they said a lot of people used email addresses that weren't real names. So it was tough to know um, who they were, You guys you she guys, was getting it from all ends.
0: You guys obtained a letter from her that had a threat. It was a handwritten message. So I'll just read from it briefly. And this letter was sent to her and one of her children. So it says, it's too bad that your mother is an ugly communist whore. If she doesn't quit or resign before the end of the year, we will kill her. But first we will kill you. So, I mean, the threats are coming to her children as well.
2: And that wasn't the only one that was directed at her family. And something that she said, which stuck with me and we quoted in the story is a lot of these threats that are anonymous. She said there's no way of knowing is that threat to kill me coming from my neighbor down the street who knows my routine? Or is it someone across the country who maybe saw a news piece on me and has decided they hate me so much that they're going to reach out?
0: The nature of a lot of these threats, you know, as we mentioned, it's, it's driving a lot of the political conversation that's going around right now. And a lot of it is positioned kind of as this larger conspiracy to commit treason, impose tyranny, you know, the mandates, things like that. A lot of the threats are often in these grander terms rather than, um, hey, I don't like that X policy or something like that.
2: Yeah, I think there's a lot of rhetoric out there right now, a lot coming from the political right, a fear that government in all its forms, even people who govern the local school board, are trying to crack down on personal freedoms, Or which would be in the case of, um, they would say, closing schools or mandating masks in classrooms. Or there's also a very common sentiment that School boards are trying to indoctrinate American children with an anti-white, anti-American worldview through some of the anti-racism initiatives yeah. that school boards have launched in the last year. So I think we're seeing that really blowing up, and that's that's what's coming out in a lot of the threats and, and harassment that school board me- members are receiving.
0: And you guys did something really interesting in this investigation. You obtained some of these emails that were sending some of these threats, and you wrote back to those email addresses just to see what's up, to see you know if they would either yep. talk to you more, identify themselves. You reached out to a, a bunch of them. Six people actually responded. What did they have to say?
2: I got a lot of responses, actually, more than I thought I would. Six people. So some people did not agree to do an on-the-record phone call, which is what I was trying to have them do so I could really pick their brains about what prompted them to send messages. The people that did respond to me did not send messages that would be prosecutable. They weren't death threats. These were people who sent really vulgar messages or just outright insulting, body shaming, or just rude language in their messages. And I asked why they had sent them. And a couple of people said they were really outraged by uh, Loudoun County's transgender policy. The county recently passed a policy that allows transgender students to go by their chosen pronouns and to use the bathroom of their choice and not really outraged a couple of people. And then there were a couple of people who um, were really fired up about the idea that the school district was trying to promote critical race theory. So these people choose their issues and got yeah. very, very angry at them.
0: And the difficulty is, you know, once these threats start coming in, the hateful rhetoric, all of this stuff really just muddies the water on the actual conversation. And then parents that are involved and maybe could be generally concerned, you know, they could get lumped into these other groups, extreme types of things like that. And really the conversation falls by the wayside then. And and it's hard to really come to a consensus that could work well for the school. You know, the other trouble with all of this is investigating these anonymous threats. So police have had a hard time Mm -hmm. tracking people down, one, or as you mentioned, uh, some things are just not prosecutable. You know, they might not Mm -hmm. tip that scale enough to uh, it be criminal. Uh, So tell me a little bit about that, because a lot of police departments are having this problem.
2: Free speech is protected, and free speech uh, includes pretty nasty insults. In order for a message to be considered criminal and prosecutable it has to really cross the line and indicate that there is some real danger to the person receiving it and a lot of these as rude and as vile as they are they don't they don't cross that line and some of the ones that did cross that line came from anonymous senders and from police reports, we were able to see that in many cases, the police did try to look into who sent these messages and they came up with multiple IP addresses or like they came to dead ends as they were trying to figure out who the person was behind this email address or this phone number. So not giving a lot of reassurance to uh, the school board members and and it's, been yeah, dead end after dead end on a lot of these.
0: And they're calling for, you know, more enforcement help from the FBI to investigate this. I know Attorney General Merrick Garland said that he would devote some federal resources to helping look into some of the stuff, threats at, uh, at the school board level. What are we seeing on that front?
2: So the Justice Department has convened a task force to look at threats against elected officials. The Justice Department and the FBI, both agencies, really declined to comment further for this story beyond what they have already said publicly that they are looking at these issues. We did hear from some of the school board members and the local law enforcement agencies that they were in touch with the FBI on a couple of these threats, and they spoke more openly about how the FBI has been involved. But again, we have seen no arrests made for any of the more than 200 threats Mm -hmm. and harassing messages that we documented. So We know that there hasn't been too much success there. That being said, some of the times these investigations do take a very long time. So the justice department might be following some leads, but nothing has come of it yet.
0: Well, I mean, it's definitely an interesting time. Uh, I suggest everybody check out Gabriella and her colleagues piece on this. There's a lot of examples of some of the threats, audio, as I mentioned earlier, some really nasty stuff, but it's uh, important to be informed about what's kind of going on on the other side of these things. Gabriella border border, U.S. National Correspondent at Reuters. Thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thanks so much. Oh, grab
2: the other gun. Smack him, smack him.
0: Joining us now is Salvador Rodriguez, tech reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for joining us, Salvador.
1: Thank you so much
0: for having me. Well, this is a, a kind of a, one of those funny articles, uh, something that really makes for some hilarious TikTok videos and and Reddit posts. People that are the early adopters right now of the metaverse, you know, buying a lot of these VR headsets um, are kind of accident prone, you know, not knowing exactly how much space you have and, uh, you know, either punching a TV, falling on the floor, punching somebody else. Uh, as I mentioned, we've seen a lot of these videos uh, swirling around on social media. So, uh, Sal, walk us through some of this, because the sales of these VR headsets have gone through the roof just this past year.
1: Yeah, VR has really been taking off. It seems like it finally has turned a corner, Might might finally be ready for prime time amongst consumers. And especially, you know, with the company that I cover most, Facebook, now known as Meta, You know, they've gone all in on this whole thing. So it seems like it's starting to happen. But as this occurs, you know, so do the accidents that while you're often in in virtual land, you can still get hurt in real life. And so we spoke with quite a few folks who, you know, maybe they like jumped into a TV or I know I talked to at least two different people who uh, hurt their hands trying to punch a, a virtual zombie and, uh, you know, some people it just is like a like a cut and and maybe, uh, you know, a nail that comes off. But, you know, other folks, we, we saw some dislocated shoulder, some fractured kneecaps. So it really, uh, you know, spans spans the range.
0: Right. You know, it's perfect fodder for social media videos. But tell me about this fractured kneecap, because this happened on Christmas. You know, the teenager got it within a few hours. They were already headed to the E.R.
1: Right. So the kneecap, that was my colleague, Sarah. So I don't know the exact details of what happened there, but I know with, you know, some of the the folks that I talk to, a lot of what occurs is that you're just playing. And because you're essentially blind, you know, to what's going on in real world, you can start to drift and maybe you drift. And then at that point, it's time to fight that virtual tiger or or swing your virtual sword. And, you know, you're trying to kill your opponent in, in this virtual game. So you're swinging full force in real life, and so, you know, people were smacking their desks or nearby shelves, and when you do that, you know, you're really putting your own self at risk. So we were just trying to start the conversation with with what can occur, you know, with this technology, but what's crazy is that a lot of people we spoke with, none of them told us that they're done with VR. They all said that they love it, they're still playing they're just kind of changing their habits a bit.
0: Right, they're learning <laughs> learning their lesson from it. What kind of re- reaction if any have you gotten from the game companies themselves cuz there's a few out there. I know there's the the PlayStation VR headsets, there's the Oculus and and a number of others, but any responses from any of those companies?
1: Yeah, we heard from Sony, we heard from Facebook Meta. They just kind of emphasize that you know they want people to be safe and you know Meta in particular, they're building out their guardian system which you know, helps users determine what's the safe space. It, it alerts them if, if maybe another human or perhaps a pet walks into that area. So it's a problem that they're working on. I think, you know, perhaps they could do a little bit more to speed up on making people safe. Because I think it, it's a big transition, right? It's kind of like what we saw with Nintendo and the Wii, you know, about a decade ago where you're just kind of like up and about It's It's not the the video gaming that, you know, your, your grandpa was doing, right? Like you're really active. And, and I think a lot of people don't quite appreciate how much room they, they really need. And, you know, one of the folks in my story, uh, Matt uh, Woodward, uh, he really learned his lesson from his son getting hurt and decided to convert the guest room in his house into a VR playroom. And he, you know, he even lined it up with pillows just so that his son and none of his friends would get hurt again. So, If you're going to get into this, it really helps that you find a dedicated space for the console itself.
0: Yeah, my wife's brother actually got one of these headsets, VR headsets, for Christmas as well, and we played it. I had a bunch of fun with it, you know, playing Beat Saber and boxing games and whatnot. But we've all kind of sat around and and really make a big circle around them, (laughs) you know, when the person that's up playing just to give that extra space, especially when you're throwing wild punches and whatnot and you don't really have that exact control of your body because you don't know where you're at, but they are a lot of fun. And and it's even sparked these Reddit groups. Uh, I think the one is called vr to er where it has about 80,000 members, where people just constantly sharing videos of people either getting hurt, punching little kids. I saw a bunch of videos where people were playing and the kid walks in, the, in their zone and gets knocked out.
1: Yeah, no, it's crazy. It's a steady flow of content on Reddit. You know, I, I was seeing a lot of this on TikTok, if you, you know, if you search for like, you know, VR fail on YouTube, you're going to find quite a few results for that. So it does, it does happen. And, you know, with the folks that we spoke to, there were a a lot of, uh, you know, dented walls and whatnot. One individual told me that in his game, he figured out that if he, if there was an enemy above him, he could punch upward and get the enemy. But of course it also resulted in him uh, just, you know, smacking his fist straight into his ceiling. Right. (laughs) Right. So uh, it's, I think it's the learning curve, and and I I think it does speak, you know, it's a testament to the technology that for a lot of first-time players, you put it on, and from a biology, you know, perspective, like your mind and your body don't quite understand that, like what you're seeing, that's not where you're at, right? So I remember the first time I put it on, like looking over a, a skyscraper and my body was absolutely frightened that I was going to fall. Right. So it really, it takes some some time to get adjusted to it and, and learn the mechanics of it.
0: Yeah. You said it, it's a, it's a new type of gaming. It's different. You got to afford yourself that extra space and make sure valuables and valuable people aren't right next to you. Salvador Rodriguez, tech reporter at the wall street journal. Thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me.